In order, again, to, to, to really deal with stress, we've got to understand the causes of stress. Because if you don't deal with the causes of stress, it continues. It's a bit like having a headache, realizing you're having a headache and taking painkillers. Well, that is not going to get rid of the reasons for the headache. You might get rid of the headache until the painkiller wears off, but then it just comes straight back because you never treated the root cause of the problem. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, and welcome to the Game Changer Podcast brought to you by Gainsight. That clip was from part two of the customer success and mental health panel discussion. In today's episode, you'll hear from leaders at Unmind, Neuroflow, Go Pivot, Degreed, and Practical CSM. They discuss how you can help others with improving their mental health and well being by focusing on stress management, specifically in the customer success function. And now, your host, Adam Joseph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast series. I'm Adam Joseph, the Director of Customer Success at Gainsight. So as I think back to all of the 60 or so podcasts on customer success that I've ever recorded, the recent one that we did on mental health was, in my view, one of the most moving and inspirational that I've ever done. And to hear from my guests who are so honest and forthright in telling their stories about how mental health issues had impacted them specifically and actually whether working in a, a customer success role was either conducive or, or harmful to them. We also heard them say really clearly and loudly that it's okay to not be okay. And they spoke candidly about what they did to help themselves, but also what their employers could do to help them create healthy working environments. So given the importance of the topic, I'm delighted to say that we're going to continue the discussion on mental health, this time with an esteemed quintet of professionals who not only work in customer success, but have also got experience of helping others with improving their mental health well-being. So uh, let me quickly tell you who's on the pod. So we've got Rick Adams, who's uh, founder and CEO of Practical CSM, Anthony Wilkie, who's uh, a customer success director at Degreed. Ross Patterson, who's a co-founder of Betterly.org. Young Kim, who is the director of customer success at Neuroflow and also a yoga teacher at ERYT500. And Vicky Pope, who is a client success team leader at Unmind. Guys, a very warm welcome to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. So what I'd love to do is uh, maybe have each of you just briefly introduce yourself to everyone listening and a little bit about your background and a role. We'll try and keep them super tight because we, we've got a few of you on today's podcast. And to get to know you a little bit better, I mean, in this age of e-commerce that we live in, where it's all too easy to push the mouse towards click to buy that you would never normally buy in a retail store, tell us what's the most frivolous item that you've ever bought on Amazon. So I'll go first. So mine was a fitness vibrating plate. 
So I, I it was late at night and I was watching one of these terrible infomercials that made it seem so easy. <laughs> so I bought it thinking it would be a really easy way of keeping fit, get that six pack and just stand on this thing. It broke after the first try and went back the next day. So that's my my one. Rick, I, I, I think I mentioned you your name first. So why don't, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. So you want to know what my most frivolous thing I bought on Amazon? For me, frivolous kind of means that was pointless. Why did you bother doing that? And it was jelly beans. And the reason is because, you know, those expensive jelly beans that actually taste of the things that they're meant to taste of. Mm-hmm. They're not, I live in deepest, darkest island on the west coast of Ireland, and, and it's just me and some sheep. And, and it's not easy to find them. And I really like them. So I bought a, one, a 1.4 kilogram jar of very expensive jelly beans. So there you go. That's my that's my most frivolous Amazon. <laughs> so um, uh, one one quick side question before you tell us about practical CSM. When did you buy them and have you got any left? Uh, right. Can I take those in reverse order? Don't be silly. Is <laughs> of course there aren't any left. To be honest, I can't remember exactly when I bought okay. it, but yeah, sometime in 2019. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. And tell us a bit about practical CSM and you. Okay, sure. So my name is Rick Adams. I'm, I'm the CEO and founder of practicalcsm.com. The, the reason why I'm here, though, is that I mean that's a training and certification for customer success management is what we do. But my background is twofold. It is both technical from an IT perspective. I started life as a systems engineer, in fact, uh, or working life, I guess I should say. And the other background is that I am trained and qualified in actually specifically in stress management. And I brought those two together in 2006 to form a software as a service company called the Wellbeing Portal. And what that was, was it was recognizing, as the EU directives were at the time, the importance of businesses understanding and taking positive action to reduce the levels of mental ill health within their employees. Well, yeah, within their employees. And so that tool that we created was to help with that. And so it kind of brought together the sort of technical side with the, if you like, my passion for, for stress management together into, into one thing. I sold that back in 2012, but, but subsequently, because of that, in fact, I learned a lot because it was a software as a service company about customer success management, which is where I am now, as it happens. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Vicky, why don't we turn to you next? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your role, and the most frivolous thing you've ever bought on Amazon. The most frivolous thing. Well, to be honest, I don't know if it's frivolous, but I'm spending a lot of money on my new puppy at the moment. And there's all sorts of Amazon purchases coming every day. (laughs) So yeah. Um, So yeah, hi, I'm Vicky. I'm the client success team lead at Unmind. And we're a digital workplace mental health platform. So we believe that everyone has the right to a healthy mind. And we support employees via their employers around the world. Now we're global towards that aim. And our content is sort of grounded in CBT, neuroscience, mindfulness, positive psychology. And it's really about the individual being able to take a proactive approach to their own mental health. Um, so it's really exciting. And I've been with our mind since 2018. It's been a really amazing journey. I was actually employee number 16 and we're about 70 people now. But yeah, I'm delighted to be here today and and talk more about mental health in the workplace, especially. Fantastic. Thanks, Vicky. Anthony, why don't you go next? Good stuff. Thanks, Alan. So, yep, I'm Anthony Wilkie. I work for Degreed. We're a lifelong learning skills and career mobility platform. That's a technology platform that helps individuals and businesses with all of that kind of thing. I'm a director of customer success there, so I work with many of our more sort of strategic customers, if you like, which both means 
the ones that invariably are spending a bit more money with us, but also the ones that are a bit more complex and sophisticated in, in terms of their needs. And it's fair to say probably for the last 20 years or so, I've been working in or leading teams invariably within SaaS technology businesses and almost always in a kind of customer success type of role. Although 20 years ago, the term customer success didn't really exist in and of itself, but that's the kind of function that I've had. So that's almost the boring bit out of the way in terms of who I am and where I'm from. In terms of frivolous Amazon purchases, I did give this a bit of thought. And I think earlier this year, with great ambitions for the garden, I bought a seeding machine with the intention of being able to put a lot of seeds into the lawn and generally make my life an awful lot easier that way. But I completely misjudged the scale, not looking at the product details, and it was about this big. So I don't know, for those of you who aren't watching this in real time, it's about four inches by five inches in size. So didn't really accomplish what I was hoping for. <laughs> Very good. Young, can I, or Young, can I pass it over to you? Yeah, sure. So I'm Jung Kim. I'm the Director of Customer Success at a company called Neuroflow. And we're a SaaS platform for a B2B2C company. And we really do integrate the behavioral and physical side within our existing healthcare frameworks. By side parallel background, I'm also a yoga instructor. And so when I made the move to adjust and really make this intentional decision to work for Neuroflow, it was really epitomizing the connecting that bridge between what we do And I would say that that's reflective of also my background. And so a lot of my background has been in the healthcare industry with SaaS implementation and tactical execution. And then now I think I fully aligned with making sure that we address the things that we don't see, but we know has a lot of impact. So um, part of the reason why I'm excited to be here on this podcast today. And then the frivolous (laughs) item on Amazon... I don't know if it's that frivolous because I actually still pretty use it. So I don't know if that removes that from the category, but I have an avocado knife and it is a kitchen gadget only for (laughs) cutting through an avocado. So you cut it in half. There's a center part that is specifically only for an avocado pit. And then the other end is for slicing the avocado into slices. I never knew that existed. So that's not frivolous at all. I'm going to, the amount of times I've seen my daughter cut into an avocado and I'm so worried she's going to slice her hand over. I'm going to get one of those. Maybe, yeah. maybe not the seed planter, but this one's definitely got it, got it so far. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for being on. And Ross, finally over to you. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, Ross Patterson. I've got about 15 years of experience in various different leadership roles across you know, CS and, and, and things like that. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but more recently, I've set up a side gig called betterly.org, which is free one-to-one coaching for people that feel that they're struggling with burnout and the like. And so we offer our time. It's transatlantic in the evenings from here in Atlanta and my co-founder in London as well. And yeah, so we, we just offer up our time. We're able to talk to people. We work on various different coaching platforms. We also work through cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that. So it's very much a nonprofit and a give back program that, that's, that's making waves. I think we crossed the, the mark of having about 900 people contact us just recently. Wow. So, And I think um, you mentioned in a previous conversation, there's a number of those that come from a CS role, right, Russ? Yeah, absolutely. And that is a, perhaps a, a happy slash unhappy coincidence mm. with my background in CS. Certainly, we didn't didn't go after that as like a, a vertical, as it were. But I think it's tantamount to the amount of pressure that people in CS find themselves under. From an Amazon frivolous perspective, I thought this was quite timely, actually. So I'll hold it up, but and I'll and I'll describe it. So it's an ornament of a of a peace sign that I bought that I keep on my on my desk. I used to keep it on a shelf behind me. 
but uh, this will mean something to the British people on the call. I actually had it turned around this way for the longest time and didn't realize until I was on a call with a British customer that it was holding up a very different kind of hand sign. So perhaps not providing the serenity that, uh, that I thought it was. <laughs> wow, I'm, uh, what a way to round those off. Well, brilliant. Thank you. And again, really pleased that each and every one is joining today. So why don't we kick the, the conversation off? So Ricky, you mentioned you're a qualified stress counsellor and stress is often one of the, the most common mental health issues that I and probably many other people would have, would have suffered either currently or in the past. But stress can mean, it's quite a subjective term, what's stressful to some, maybe not to others. When we say or talk about stress, is there an actual definition of it uh, or how you would describe it to others? Mm. Yeah, um, there is as many definitions of stress, I think, as there are people who, who suffer from it. And I think that's one of the problems that I think sometimes is, is actually is, is in defining it. If somebody presents with stress, if we sort of put it that way, I think the first thing we've got to ask is, what, is, is what, well, what do you actually mean by that? Because of this, it can mean different things to different people. So I've got a couple of definitions that I'd like to share with you, if I may. Mm-hmm. So the first one is a little bit more, let's say, a little bit more academic. And the second one is a little bit more sort of street useful, I would suggest. So my first definition is the more, the more technical one, that stress is an automatic, unconscious, physiological reaction to a perceived threat to the subject's well-being. So what that means is, first of all, it's automatic and unconscious. It's not in our control. All right. So that's the first thing I think we need to reassure people about as well, is because people seem to think they're guilty of something, <laughs> they're suffering from stress. And of course, the answer is most definitely no, that is not the case. And it is also a very, very natural thing. It is something that occurs automatically. And the second thing there that I mentioned is, is it's physiological. So what that means, it's just a clever way of saying it happens in the body. Okay. So this is, it is to do with both mental and physical, but it actually, that the reaction is both the body and, and the mind reacts. It occurs physically and it only occurs when we perceive a threat. But remember here that it's not a threat. It's a perceived threat. So that means that it could be that we wrongly perceive something as a threat. It's not a threat, but we perceived it as a threat, in which case we still undergo the stress reaction. Mm-hmm. Or it could mean that it is a threat and we didn't understand it was, mm-hmm. in which case we won't undergo the stress reaction until maybe something happens in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but th- the point is, it's about perception. And this is also critical to understand because if we accept that stress occurs due to a perception of a threat. And if it is possible to raise that perception from unconscious to conscious, then maybe we can do something about altering our perceptions as a clue to sort of what we can do, which is obviously further down the line than what we're talking about right now. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, obviously, when someone, and I've had periods in my life where uh, I'm not sure if had a clinical diagnosis, but I felt that the, what those words that you're using are resonating with me highly. And, and how that manifested itself in me was nights of sleeplessness, short-tempered, which is very unlike my typical character anyway. But as I've kind of grown older in years, I guess I've learned to identify it more quickly and, and know how to deal with it. And I've got some outlets for that. And we talked about some of those on the first podcast about mental health. I'm just interested, Ross, obviously, when we were talking about stress, is, is that something that you're hearing from the types of calls coming in is stress and then how and how that's manifesting itself in people? Is that something you're hearing? And the term burnout gets banded as well, which I guess is a maybe a follow-on. I'm interested to hear some, some of the trends that you're seeing from uh, betterly.org. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll talk specifically about CS roles, people in that, in should we say people pleasing uh, roles, but mm. um, it's been a, a super, super interesting time. You could literally see the tipping point between where things actually changed as the story of COVID really kind of hit the news. And then as a leader in CS myself, then you could hear and feel the trickle down coming from leadership to, you know, CS team members. And so there was lots of interesting stuff around CS individuals being pushed to go out there and secure a renewal. Just get it in the bag, get it done. We don't know where the world's going to be in the next few weeks. Make sure you get that renewal. Then on the flip side that I found super interesting, and this really took me back, was the amount of people that were saying to me, Ross, I love working with my customers. I love getting on calls with my customers. I love making sure that I'm steering them towards success. It's what I live for. I'm being told not to contact them at all, to actually just fly under the radar and actually just hope that in any kind of budgetary conversations, things like that, that our product or service just slips by without being being brought up. I found that, again, yeah, super, super interesting. I think the mm-hmm. other piece as well is appreciating the human aspect of everybody that's been going through this COVID crisis, I think. And there's, there's a term that comes up a lot in our coaching, which is aggregated burnout. People are finding themselves at home. People are dealing with perhaps personal issues at the same time as work issues. We're all kind of under each other's feet in, in some ways. And so a lot of this is, is all sort of crashing into each other and it's making it a little bit harder to perhaps compartmentalize exactly what we're going out there to, to try and solve. Something I think that's very much off the now is this increase of Slack management as well. Again, I can see and feel these leaders vicariously through the people that I'm talking to, and perhaps they're managing teams that are remote for the first time in their entire careers. And so there's a trust aspect to this. What are my staff doing? Are they doing the right thing? Are they doing the wrong thing? I'm going to check in. If they don't respond to a Slack message in the next three seconds, I'm going to assume there's an issue and that they can't self-manage their own time. One upside, though, that I think has been fascinating that I'm hearing a lot of is people are having more valuable discussions with their customers. And I say this because I feel getting a little bit peace and love here, maybe, but I feel like the world is kind of united under a common goal right now. And so these conversations that normally we train around, you know, empathy and open up to your customer and they'll open up to you and form a relationship. There's a lot more overlap in conversations. People are asking, what's the well-being of your family right now? I'm really meaning it. And people are responding with those questions. And so I think there are deeper relationships happening with, with customers. That's really interesting. Vicky, I'm, I'm interested as well. Obviously, you work for Unmind, which is a mental health platform. Some of the things that, that Ross was talking about there, some of the things that he's hearing, and, and obviously from what Rick was saying about some of the definitions of what we mean by stress. Is that resonating with what you're hearing from your customers and prospects and what's at the top of their mind at the moment? Yeah, 100%. I think it's unfortunate that it takes a pandemic for people to really sit up and start thinking about mental health, but that's what's happened. Like We've seen such a huge increase in outreach to us, organic outreach companies really interested in how they can support their employees in a in a space in a world where everybody's dispersed a couple of things really resonated with me there this positive feeling of connection has actually increased we have a, a couple of measurement tools on our platform one of them is what we call the unmind index and that takes all the various aspects of your well-being and will measure them so that you can track them over time and one of the key aspects of well-being is connectedness 
feeling a connection with people. And we've actually seen that increase across our client base during this period. So I think people are starting to feel more connected to their friends, their family, and that is crucial to well-being. But certainly the uncertainty of this period is a stressful thing, going back to what Rick was saying around a perceived threat. Certainly uncertainty is something that creates that. Yeah, and Jung, I'd I'd love to hear, because obviously you've got this dual role, right? You see it in the world of customer success all the time, but also you've got this you know, phenomenal way of being able to kind of reflect on mental health issues and do something really positive such as yoga. What's been your experience of the topic? And and as someone who doesn't actually or has never done yoga or practicing yoga, I'd love to hear from someone that, that is obviously so invested in it, some of the, the rewards that you and, and people that do participate in it have found in terms of to help deal with some of these issues. Yeah, I think especially in yoga, one of the great learnings that I've had is that not every yoga teacher is for everybody. But I do think that the particular group that I connect with are people who do exactly that. They have one foot in the professional world. Mm -hmm. They have the other foot on a mat (laughs) and they find the balance between those two things. Um, I would say, Rick, I really loved what you were saying earlier about bringing things that maybe were in the subconscious to the conscious. And the term that I would label that with from the yoga world is awareness. And so when you have awareness of something, then you can make the steps going towards alignment. And I found that that's applicable to both my customer base, my customer success managers, as well as the people who come to practice on the mat. I would say also the thing that I'm finding, especially with some of my advocates, and so right in customer success world, we're always saying, let's get more advocacy. Let's get those customer roundtables. Let's make sure that we have those advisory boards. I found that it was actually a lot easier to do so because everybody in like globally, like Vicky was saying, we're forced to turn inwards. And we talk about that in yoga on the mat as well, but this was certainly apparent in a lot of the relationships and conversations with customers to the point where just by simply addressing and acknowledging that like, hey, your kid could be in the background or like, hey, I'm helping you with the recovery plan for this because that increases that sense of connection you have. Because like I mentioned, we're a B2B2C company. We have assessments that track from a clinical perspective. And above all of that, we're still humans talking to humans. We still have that human-to-human connection. And so we've been able to really take a breath, which is also something we physically do in yoga, but also be able to take it a step higher so that we're able to talk about the whole big picture. Because we could be talking about the one specific maybe support issue that's on fire or, hey, like this specific renewal. And we can function with all of those business metrics. But the thing that's been common with both on and off of the mat, I would say is the ability to triage and use empathy in a tactical way. That's been beneficial from both on the mat as well as within my actual relationships and the way that we handle customer success here. Yeah, it's super interesting. And Anthony, if we move the conversation on to what organizations can do to help their team and those around them deal, because we've already seen you know, customer success can be very much a, a movement that can you know induce stress. Obviously, there's a lot to do, particularly as we get towards the end of a, a month or a quarter, and you've got a book of business and renewals that you've got to make sure you're delivering value to. Lots is expected in the role or you know, lots to deliver. I know Degreed have got something called the Degreed Pathway that I'd love to hear you talk about, but just kind of generally your experience as well about kind of making sure you're maximizing your team's ability and helping ensure that they thrive rather than feel under pressure. Yeah, thanks, Adam. I think so much of what we've just, well, I've just certainly been hearing absolutely resonates. I think each one of us could talk for easily an hour about the subject. I think the environment of sort of trust compassion and and sort of mutual support, the kind of idea that no one's in this alone, it's very much a team game, and it's completely okay to be 
sort of transparent about if you're experiencing some challenges in this area, all of those things are, are absolutely critically important. And there's a bunch of stuff that you can do to foster that. But earlier on, someone mentioned that businesses are, in some instances, struggling to trust their staff who are working remotely for the first time. I'd sort of question the hiring policies of those companies if they don't trust the people that they're hiring. Just because they're not in front of them and in their line of sight all the time, they've still got something to reflect upon in terms of their own hiring. If they don't trust the people that they're hiring, regardless of where they are, that's perhaps something for them to reflect on as well. But the, the environment itself, I think, is all important. And there's a bunch of different things that you can do here. You can certainly create and share resources that help people to sort of manage mental health and mental well-being in their, in their own way. Not everybody deals with things in exactly the same way. So the more that you're sort of sharing resources and actively promoting those resources, the better that you're showing you're kind of invested in it and you're being transparent about the idea rather than kind of hiding it under the carpet. Use stand-ups, all-hands calls and so on to sort of, again, proactively take, not so much take control of the conversation, but make sure it is a conversation that's being had. So again, it's not something that people are afraid to bring up and try to reinforce and almost live those messages in the business. The pathway you mentioned is a sort of a capability that's built within Degreed where different subjects can be sort of formed, if you like, or rather more learning materials oriented around different subjects can be included in a pathway so that you can actively in your own time, at your own pace, in a way that suits you, acquaint yourself with and, and learn more about a particular topic. And we as degree recognized quite early on, that was something that all of our clients were going to need, and they didn't have a lot of time to build their own resources. So we built resources for them that they could then roll out in their own businesses to support with sort of mental well-being initiatives as they were transitioning to a more kind of distributed way of working, which is, which is the norm for degree. So we, we were luckily quite well positioned to kind of accommodate these changes. A couple of other thoughts, I don't want to sort of hog the mic too much, but the the point I made earlier about the emphasis on the team rather than the individual, I think that's really important too. You know, the people apply more pressure to themselves probably, certainly in customer success, than anyone else can put them under. We're, we're built to be somewhat resilient. And as was mentioned earlier, we're kind of people pleasers. We will, as I say, put more pressure on ourselves to try and over-deliver than anybody else. And I think there's a need to remind people that this is a, a team game and we're all here to try to accomplish something that's of benefit and value to the, the clients we work with, as well as to the, the team that we're in and the, the business that we're working for as well. I think that's really, really important. And if people are given the opportunity to contribute, that gives them strength as well. It adds to their sense of self-worth if they're contributing in some way. So they may be struggling in certain areas, but if they're contributing in other areas, that helps them with that sort of broader idea of resilience. And then I think the human factor would be the other thing I would say, a real emphasis on ideas like family first, appreciating certainly in the current climate in the last sort of six months or so, that there are things that are more important than work. There will always be things that are more important than work. And I've really enjoyed clients asking me to end meetings early because they've got to go and collect their kids from school or they've got homeschooling to do. Equally, they've afforded me the same flexibility for things that have changed in my life as a result of what's been going on. And I think that's incredibly healthy. I'd like to think it will continue hereafter. We're looking for silver linings of the, of the current situation. And I think it really helps engender a much stronger relationship, which is obviously something that we focus on a lot in customer success. So th those would be just some of the things that would, would stand out for me. 
Yeah, I, I concur with everything you just said there. I think, you know, a lot of people have said, when will things go back to normal? I'm actually hoping, as you said, the silver lining out of all of this is that we don't go back to that. And that actually a new normal exists where whether it's flexible working or a better understanding of what mental health is and helping people with those issues. If you don't mind, just to sort of build on that very briefly sure. as well, that's exactly what we're hearing from our customers. So the conversations we're having with them now is how can we help them to adapt and improve the way that they the way that they run their learning programs, the way that they engage their people, the way that they help their people to live and work in a way that's more suitable for them, if you like, you know, the, in that direction of travel towards a more sort of a blended work-life experience, but not one that is hypothetically a blended life-work experience, but actually means you're working a lot longer hours because you can do your work anywhere, but more one that gives you that balance and flexibility that enables you to enjoy life as well as work yeah. So uh, thank you, everyone. I think what that's done is give us a terrific foundation for the conversation, because I think what you've so eloquently done, all of you, is describe what do we mean when we talk about mental health or stress or burnout and what some of those underlying factors are. I think where I'd like to move the kind of second half of the podcast is if someone's listening to this who, by the definition given by Rick earlier and some, and some of the other contributions, is suffering with stress, burnout, or any other kind of mental health issue, what should they do? What kind of plan should they set out? How do they communicate that to their employer? What should the employer do? And I'd love to focus this second half of the podcast on some steps that both they as an individual and the organization can take to help improve things. Rick, I'd like to turn it back to you. And, and I'd certainly urge the other guests here to please let me know if you want to contribute here, because I'd love to get a discussion going on this. But Rick, over to you. Sure. Well, I think we've said that you can't you can't change what you don't know about, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the first thing is we've got to understand what's happening to us. We've got to increase our awareness, as, as Jung used the term, awareness. So if we're not aware of it, it's very difficult to actually deal with it. And I think we all have a responsibility, a duty of care to ourselves and to others. And actually, you can't have a duty of care to others unless you're willing to have a duty of care to yourself because you've got to be okay before you can really help anybody else anyway, certainly in the long term. So our responsibility, if you like, is to be self-aware and also to be aware of others and to look out for and monitor. Am I raising my voice more than I normally do? (laughs) Am I breathing differently? Am I, someone saying, people looking at me slightly differently? Am I finding things more difficult than I usually do? This can only occur, though, if we are already self-aware. So to my mind, it's very difficult to work on self-awareness right when you're undergoing stress, right? That's not your best moment by far. Actually, far better in the moments where you are doing things like yoga or meditation or having a walk or just just generally in life is you're building self-awareness at this point. You are measuring your normal you Mm. so that you've got a comparison to make between how you feel right now, which is not how you normally feel, so that it becomes more aware. Jung, did you want to come in and say something? Yeah, I I love that. Because I think introducing that concept to whoever we are, whatever level, whether it is our leadership or the people who report to us or anybody else of our colleagues, like going after that, I have found that a lot of the most beneficial tools are the ones that have action items associated with them. And so like, okay, we want to go from the state of creating our baseline. So what do we feel when we are on the daily? And then how do we actually notice that when we are in times of stress? 
And I will say that there's a few things that I have found very useful, whether I'm teaching a class or through the people that I work with. And the first thing I had mentioned earlier is triaging. And so that's taking in any of the information, data, fires, escalations, phone calls, family things, right? Like, like we're not, our brains are not just limited to like, I'm in work mode now and now I'm in non-work mode, which nowadays with COVID is really just you stepping away from the desk, like two feet from where you are. And so it's really doing that step and that pause between stimulus and response to figure out what you actually need to do. And so I really love what you brought attention to, Rick. And I think the other piece that is missing for a lot of people who I have this conversation with is, okay, that sounds great. How do I get there? And so that like finding pause and then assessing the data and triage with anything that you would normally, whether it's at work or whatever would be quote, not work anyway, I think is the really important piece there that I wanted to just pay attention to from what you had just said. Cool. Uh, if, if I could just follow up for a second, if that's all right, Adam, is that the, the other thing that I wanted to say, and I agree with what you've said there, Jung, is that in, in order, again, to, to, to really deal with stress, we've got to understand the causes of stress. Because if you don't deal with the causes of stress, it continues. It's a bit like having a headache, realizing you're having a headache and taking painkillers. Well, that is not going to get rid of the reasons for the headache, you might get rid of the headache until the painkiller wears off, but then it just comes straight back because you never treated the root cause of the problem. And the thing about causes of stress, which in the techie world we call stressors, mm. the thing about stressors is that very commonly you don't want to deal with them because they're unpleasant. So this is the don't open the brown envelope that comes through the door because it's probably another bill and I, I know that I'm in financial difficulties type syndrome, okay? But we are, don't acknowledge that you have a relationship problem with your partner and therefore because you're not acknowledging it yourself, you're not dealing with it. But then the problems get worse, right? The bills mount up, the arguments continue, whatever it is. So to me, I mean, there's lots of things I could say, but obviously we don't have time about how you do this. But effectively, my number one thing is, is that whatever you do, at some stage, you need to face the fact that you have to address the stressors. You have to know what is causing you the stress, and then you've got to deal with it one way or the other, which actually is you know, easy to say, and of course, not always very easy to do. Great point. Anthony, did you want to jump in there? Uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, just a couple of other uh, thoughts that just occurred to me. One is, I think we talked about this in different ways, but there's an opportunity to revisit the idea of urgency versus importance. And I think about that in terms of life as well as what's going on at work. I've been encouraged many times. I think somebody taught me once it was the Eisenhower matrix that that's called, where things can be either both urgent and important, in which case you need to get to those pretty fast, or neither of each, in which case they can probably be shelved or delegated or whatever you should choose to do. But there's an opportunity to kind of revisit that a little bit in terms of what's really important in the context of life and work. And, and therefore, for me, that leads on to mental health and one's own mental well-being should be in that top box, right? It's, it's certainly always important. How urgent it is perhaps depends a little bit on how well you're feeling and how well you kind of are coping with it at, at the time. But nevertheless, it's, it's always going to be important. And then the, the other thing I just wanted to add was that I really like the way both of the guys were talking about um, how to sort of 
make sure that you take a pause and make sure that you're prioritizing this. But also, this isn't kind of a, a zero to a, a hundred kind of exercise. The way that one develops oneself and gets better at these sorts of things is incrementally. So don't expect to become a, a superhero in terms of managing and coping with sort of the challenges that we're presented with. But think about how to incrementally improve yourself. Find ways to be better than you were yesterday, maybe better than you were a week ago. And allow yourself, be kind to yourself and afford yourself that time to improve over, over a period of time rather than expecting to go from this is all too much to by the end of the week, oh, it's a, it's a walk in the park. You, know, it needs, you need to afford yourself time to, to improve in that way. Great point. And Ross, you wanted to come in as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just breathtaking points here. I think where I wanted to tackle was your question there, Adam, around how we approach an employer around these things. And I think what we've learned over the last year here at Betley.org is proceed with caution. I'm really sorry to say that there is still you know, a great deal of stigma around stress and what that means for mental health. But to underline the point there is that I'm getting from the whole team here is perhaps an element of detachment before progression, taking a pause, taking a moment to, to assess with resolve so that you're really sort of looking in on yourself without any distraction. And then to come back to my point there around proceeding with caution is we've unfortunately come across a few instances here where specifically with burnout, when people get to that point that they're done with it, they really want to take action. They want to stop it right now and they want to grab the ball by the horns and all those other cliches and get, get back on the horse. And and I think where a lot of people can trip up is at that point going straight to their employer and actually sort of you know revealing the situation that they find themselves in. I would sort of underline that point around detachment, self-reflection, but actually taking a moment to talk to somebody that isn't in, should we say, you know, a position of power over you in the first instance to talk through these kinds of issues that, that you're having and really kind of workshop it with somebody. Something that we do here at Bethley, but just as powerful as talking to a friend, family member, to a degree, a colleague that most you you have a great deal of trust in. It's so Interesting to hear those points for us, particularly because of the fantastic work that you're doing with Betley.org. If someone is going and wants to get in contact with Betley.org, how should they do that? Is there is it just going to the website? I'd love for to use use this as a platform for you to promote what's a, a phenomenal thing that you've done. Uh, thanks, Adam. I, I, if people just head over to the website, it's betterly.org. We have a little Calendly link there and you can book time with me and my team members. And what we do is we set up a, a recurring meeting as time will allow to really kind of coach people through. So, yep, website betterly.org yeah. and, and that will get you through to one of us. But as I said, I kind of applaud what you've done. It's phenomenal. And Vicky, maybe finally with you, I mean, you've, you've obviously heard a lot from what the, the team have said there, and you talk to a lot of organizations about the how they deal with mental health type issues. Are you finding that organizations are getting it or there's still a long way to go? Do you think actually one of the, the silver linings from the pandemic has been a, a better awareness of these types of issues? But if you could talk to that, that would be amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's sad to say there is definitely still a stigma about mental health in the workplace for sure like we can't deny that but I would say that the conversation is changing it's happening slowly but it's definitely changing and it's coming from the top like leaders now know that they need to address it's important for employees to have good mental health it's helpful for the business case and they know that increasingly people looking for jobs will be looking for organizations that are caring and proactive about these things I think employers do have a responsibility to look after their people 
And we, we spend most of our time at work. The workplace can quite often be the place where the first signs of a mental health challenge or problem will arise and will be noticed because that's where you're spending most of your time. And to Rick's point, noticing those signs can be from a colleague. So I think the main thing about the change in the pandemic and things brought it to the surface is that people are talking about it more and that's important. I think that will certainly lead to a change in the end, we can only hope. Yeah, let's all hope so. And that's probably a a kind of good place in which to close it because obviously it has been a a tough time for a lot of people. Yet in this kind of tough times, hopefully there is some good that comes out of it. And if one, we can talk to, it's okay to not be okay, which is a message that I tell myself and my team and anyone else that will listen to me and was the original inspiration for doing these series of podcasts, I think hopefully would have made made some lives better. And also, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to work for a company like Gainsight that is a very human firm business where it's okay to show vulnerability where actually going quiet even though it might seem like the easiest thing to do is just hide away but actually the problems only grow and get worse and dealing with becomes an issue so my closing message is don't be afraid to speak out whether that's to your business or a trusted person outside or to a fantastic organization such as betterly.org and for, for any to remove any doubt that's b-e-t-t-e-r-l-e-y.org Guys, thank you so much for your contribution today. Like I say, I think we've gone hopefully a long way in helping some people. And uh, it's a topic that I'm going to come back to time and time again. And it would be great actually to revisit this maybe in a few months just to see how things are going. Thank you again for all of your contributions today. Thanks for having me. Great pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to StudioPodSF.com.